SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. The NFL season, fantasy season, and wagering season opens up on Thursday night. But before we get to Thursday, got a lot to cover in the second hour here of Fantasy Sports Today with you here on SportsGrid. I'm Craig Mish, along with Joe Pizzapia. We got you covered for the next hour. Covering it all for you, going over what could potentially happen in tonight's NBA matchups, as well as Major League Baseball. Also covering the waiver wire in fantasy football, not to mention some potential key injuries in fantasy as well. And Joe, as we head toward Thursday night, it's going to be a season like no other. There will not be a lot of fans in the stands in a lot of different places. We have to be ready for some postponements. We have to be ready for some cancellations. And for the first time in fantasy football, at least in one of my leagues, we actually have a COVID list for the players who are not going to be playing. That's what we're in store for here in 2020. It's going to be wild and wacky, but we got you for the next six months on it. Uh, well, look, it's good that leagues are reacting to this and whether it's adding an extra roster spot or two or a COVID list or an IR spot or something else that you didn't always have, you have to be realistic and think at some point in time these things are going to come into play. And this is why knowledge of the pool is so important and your knowledge of the pool starts right here on this show every single day. So let's get after some more headlines, Greg. Got to know who Ozigbo is. That's the big That's the big story in 2020. He's for sure. divine. All right, let's <laughs> Never heard of. That. All right, uh, let's let's go. Uh, let's go through the headlines for today here on this Wednesday tonight. The Boston Celtics can close out the Toronto Raptors. Although, you know, look, the Raptors could have something to say about this and go seven games. We'll see. Uh, J.D. McKissick listed as Washington Football Team starter at running back, and running back situations around fantasy. If you believe depth charts, then everything that we thought is wrong over the last month. And so, of course. Don't believe the depth chart. This is just uh, paper for the first week of the season for sure. But J.D. McKissick now going to be a hot pickup in fantasy, probably for no reason. The Cubs <laughs> option Jose Martinez. Wow, Jose Martinez's star has fallen quite a bit over the last few years from the Cardinals to the Rays, now to the Cubs, and now gone to pick up Billy Hamilton. They're just going to use an extra runner there. How about the Tigers? Another father-son combination. We'll see what the career of Daz Cameron looks like. Mike Cameron's son Called up to the big leagues from the Tigers' alternate site. I had a chance to see Daz quite a bit with the Houston Astros. He was in the Justin Verlander trade. Now he's going to make his major league debut for the Tigers. And then in the NHL, the Islanders and Tampa Bay Lightning are going to play game two of their Eastern Conference Finals tonight. Should be an exciting matchup. And certainly, Joe... The, uh, the NBA has provided us a lot. The NHL will as well. And I'm really fun to, I think, you know, cover it all here. As we mentioned previously, you can go back and, and watch on demand all the options that we're going to have for tomorrow. And I, I know that football will be the main topic, but certainly with college football back and the NFL back and, and having the NBA as well, it's going to be a lot of fun for us to be able to cover it all. We are fantasy sports today. It is a pleasure to still even be able to talk a little bit of baseball here on the show, which is not something that I've had a chance to do in the last 10 years, even mention any baseball here this time of the year. So fun to have it all for you here. Yeah, and fun for the Tigers, too, and Tiger fans. Not only is the team, by the way, being competitive, but you've started to see some of the youth start to emerge on this team which is great. Uh, you're starting to see some of the stars you're hoping are going to pick up in 2021 and beyond. 
and who knows what Torkelson will be and some of the other guys they've got in this system as they bring in the Mannings and Mises of the world. And I think of all the negatives that have been hoisted upon the Major League Baseball season, one of the great positives has been yeah, being able to see all these young players play sooner than we thought. So although we didn't see Gavin Lux right away and some other guys we thought we were going to see, like Dylan Carlson, some of those guys, we saw a bunch of other young players that we thought there's no way they're going to start a clock or bring this guy up or whatever it is. But you know what? They have because a lot of teams have felt, hey, we've got an opportunity. And this kind of brings me back to that other point I always like to make is the regular season of baseball is just too long. If it was shorter, more teams would think they're in it. If more teams think they're in it, then they're willing to push the younger players and push the envelope a little bit more and push trades and be competitive instead of just checking out and saying, ah, oh, there's no way we can win this war of attrition. I know it's a marathon, not a sprint, but maybe just maybe we can make it a shorter. Let's make it a half marathon, maybe a 5K. I don't know. It's not that I want less baseball. I just want more playoffs and less regular season. However, I will say that the Tigers and some other teams that have shown you a little bit of life, the Blue Jays and their youth movement has been terrific. That has been wonderful to see. And you touched on it yesterday, switching back to football. The Antonio Gibson hot takes are abound on the internet. Oh my goodness, you cannot throw a dart without hitting an Antonio Gibson hot take. You're right absolutely about that. You're also right about the week one tweets. Don't do it, because I saw a lot of people last year tweeting about how right they were about Sammy Watkins, and that was basically all the production he gave you all season in week one last year. So don't be that guy or gal. Don't be that for sure. I don't know about McKissick, Craig. Your thoughts on this, because to me, in this backfield, I'm taking really late shares of Bryce Love just to wait and see what happens into week four or five. Yeah, Love, Love was a really good running back at Stanford, and mm-hmm. and I thought going into his final year, he would have had a better year than he did. He still was good, but Stanford took a major step back last year. And I think that Love was one of the reasons why. He's somebody that actually had more value two years ago than he had last year. That You can't really say that often uh, about a lot of teams. And, and McKissick is just a guy, but he is a veteran. And, and look, Washington parted ways with two players that would have been number one and number two on their depth chart within two weeks with guys that have been cut for all the right reasons. And Adrian Peterson, essentially, when you look at it, Joe, Peterson was kind of cut because he was going to make the football team better. And I know that's really hard to swallow and hard to say, but it happens. Uh, Washington is not in a position this year that they understand they're not winning 12 games or 11 or even 10 and they sort of are going the Miami route of last year. They're not tanking. They're not saying we want to lose, but they're not helping themselves get better. And Peterson makes the team better, not worse. By letting him go, they're going to be worse. And so for me, just having his name there doesn't really mean a lot. Uh, Gibson, I guess, is going to get the full compliment. Gibson could rush for 2,000 yards. Nothing would shock me anymore in sports. But the thing for me is no one can explain to me why (laughs) or how. They could just give me his name and with nothing else, nothing tangible. That's what bothered me about him. Waiver Wire Wednesday. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back. It is time for Waiver Wire Wednesday here on Fantasy Sports Today. In all likelihood, you've probably had your fantasy draft. If not, good luck tonight. Make sure you get that thing in before 
opening night tomorrow in the NFL when Houston takes on the world champion Kansas City Chiefs. And, and Joe, it's, it's really a good idea, I think, for most leagues to still have the waiver wire open the week before the season, especially given this year's situation. And there are some players that are still out there sitting on the waiver wire that are less than 50% owned that I think that their ownership will come up. And we'll start off here on the show today. And, and interestingly enough, just minutes ago, Doug Peterson, the head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles, made it pretty clear that uh, Miles Sanders is going to have at least somewhat of a limited workload in the first week of the season. So that could potentially open up the door for another running back in Philadelphia. Yeah, and look, I am all about being aggressive on the waiver wire, but at the same time, we have to be smart and understand that this year, more than any other, you're going to need a little bit extra cash on that fab budget to spread around because you're going to have a lot of injuries. So don't go too crazy week one, but there are some names that can help you. Now, if you are a Miles Sanders owner or just somebody in desperate need of a running back right now for week one, Boston Scott at 44% is out there in more than half of leagues. He's out there on the waiver wire, and he's different than Miles Sanders in terms of style and in terms of what you're going to get out of him. He has actually a little bit more touchdown upside potentially in this first matchup too uh, than you might think against Washington. So Boston Scott is a short-term ad, so be careful. I, if you're a Miles Sanders owner and you are really concerned about this injury, then it's okay to spend that extra 2 or $3 to make sure you have him just because you want to own that backfield. That is perfectly fine to do. Then, of course, you have the Jacksonville guys, <laughs> which we got to figure out because you've got Chris Thompson, you've got Divine Ozigbo, You've got James Robinson. Now, Robinson obviously is the guy that's, quote, starting. And I know you can't see me right now, but I'm doing air quotes when it comes to starting running back here. Uh, but at the same time, nobody knows what's going on. The one thing you do know is that if he's healthy, Chris Thompson in that Jay Gruden offense will absolutely get that opportunity to catch the football. So in full point PPR, that's a guy that you can think about. Um, Bryce Love, to me, is that sneaky play right now he is just owned an 11 percent in terms of roster percentage and i'm looking at bryce love as a guy that potentially could as the season goes on emerge as somebody we didn't have on our radars and it's not going to cost you anything to have that guy now on your team and that's something to always be proactive and not reactive because when you're reactive with free agent budget all of a sudden you end up blowing it and all of a sudden if that guy doesn't pan out you're in a bad spot if you're proactive you have roster space then why not take a look and see what Bryce Love does the first two or three weeks in the season? See what guys are before we start hitting the buys. And then if the buys stretch your roster thin early, okay, then you drop him if he's not performing, and that's the kind of pivot you make. The other name on that list was also Joshua Kelly, too, who I would keep an eye on. There's a lot of people out there. There's a lot of buzz that he might be moving past Justin Jackson sooner than later in terms of opportunities for touches. And if that does happen, that would be an interesting compliment in a deeper league to own because although Eckler is going to be that bell cow guy, that most of the time guy, that high end PPR guy, there still needs to be another running back in that offense, the way they're set up that Eckler doesn't do all of those things, especially from his size as a small running back. You would imagine they're going to give him some of those carries off like they did last year with Justin Jackson. And then when Melvin Gordon came back as well. So Kelly's another guy to look there. So Craig, I'll ask you, are you throwing any free agent budget at all? on anybody in Jacksonville, because it seems like a complete crapshoot. I am staying away from it personally. Yeah, what, what I would do is I think the best running back in Jacksonville is Armstrong. So I would make sure that I own Armstead. him, stash him away for a month, and, and then maybe you got something. I think he's the best guy there. And, and how did we go from him being so potentially so good and such a great upside guy before Fournette was gone to now just being completely out on the guy? 
Uh, I well, think Reichel that it's a lack Armstead of understanding. Well, it's, the, it's the COVID thing. I mean, Reichel Armstead did. And, and there's a lack the of understanding thing. there. Right. Is a fear because you see something like Eduardo Rodriguez in baseball and you go, oh, God, is this something that's going to affect him all year as a running back? Very different sport. You know, you see the guys. But, but is that, is that what right happened out. with him? Is that what happened with Armstead? No, I don't know. know. Is that. Yeah. Armstead. Yeah. So why not yeah, Olam and why Armstead? Why you keep calling him Armstrong? You, you, you keep calling what, him Armstrong. What, is that gotta, is, Armstead is the name? Ryquel Armstead. It, it's, no. It's Armstead. Ryquel. Okay. <laughs> I still like Armstrong. Daryl Armstrong, the, the guy to... who could dunk real well on the Magic. Um, I'm trying to throw okay, you so the line. Again, <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's a lack of understanding for the average fantasy football player and even the fantasy football analyst. We cover Major League Baseball. There are some players who have taken longer to come back. There is no doubt. But what if he is not one of those guys? And there's a 50-50 shot of that. So why not just stash him for a few weeks and, and get some updates on him and see where he's at? Freddie Freeman came back. He's playing like an MVP again. So I, I would at I'm least consider owning him. I have no interest. I would even I would even consider trading for him because I think there's a lot of people right now that are so sour that I, I would believe that they're ready to drop him and before they go dropping him, I would say, hey, you know, I can throw you this. This might help you out in short term and see what Armstead is because he was the number two on the depth chart going into the season behind Fournette. Let's see what that guy is before we start guessing of who these other guys are. And I guarantee you're going to see a lot of people throw a lot of money. And I feel like most of it's going to be a waste on that backfield. Yeah, I agree with that. Kelly is the one guy that would interest me because you are right. There's no way they're going to be throwing as much with Taylor that they did with Rivers. And Jackson has not been impressive. I was trying to make Jackson a thing last year. He just doesn't look like he's going to be good. And Although his injury is not very serious, I think he has a toe injury, so I'm not all that worried there. All right, uh, wide receiver. Uh, Deshaun Jackson is back in the mix again, 50% owned. Lazard and Green Bay, it looks like he's their solid two. Preston Williams really came on for the Dolphins last year before he got hurt. He's 42% owned. I don't know a lot about Brian Edwards, but it seems to me that he's going to at least line up as a starter for the Raiders this year, and he's only 17% owned. And then Steven Sims of Washington is 6% owned as well. Edwards, to me, is the interesting one, Joe, just because I have no clue on him. So <laughs> my guess is my guess is he's going to catch five balls for 60 yards this week. But I don't know if he's going to do that every week. I, I do think he's going to play a role w with the Raiders. He is like the Gibson of wide receivers to me. I don't know a lot about him, but I'd love to see what he can do. He is he is absolutely the Gibson of wide receivers. I don't think he's going to put that any better because there are hot takes everywhere about how this guy's going to win your leagues. And, you know, before Tyrell Williams got hurt, nobody even knew who that guy was. Okay, That's so, right. And, look, and he might very well emerge into that role. But let's not forget, we have some guys on that list that have already performed. Preston Williams being one of them. He's on all of my teams, okay? You talked yesterday about who do you have on all your teams. I got so many Preston Wilson and Alan Lazard shares. The fact that these guys are still basically available and not rostered in over half of leagues is stunning to me. Deshaun Jackson, by default, week one. If you go back and look at the track record of Deshaun Jackson week one, it is a good one. It is a scary yeah, good true. run that they would have. And, and at least for this week... Because there's nobody else there, because it's Washington, try it one more time, and then you can cut him. It's fine. So I think that's the approach if you're desperate for somebody, just a Band-Aid guy, it's Deshaun Jackson. Other than that, long-term, I think it's Williams, I think it's Lazard, and I think more people are going to spend money on Brian Edwards than the other two guys. 
And then finally, taking a look at some quarterbacks and receivers. And, and you have to understand that in the NFL, if they're willing to pay Josh McCown to sit at home on a couch and pay him more money than anyone is going to win in a fantasy league this year, then you should be handcuffing your quarterbacks in fantasy. It costs you nothing. Do the same thing that the Eagles are doing. Pick up Gardner Minshew, as you see here, only 27% owned. Pick up Tyrod Taylor of the Chargers, only 8% owned. Stash him for a week. Who knows? You may have to use the guy. There is nothing to lose with your last roster spot here. And then, of course, uh, Jack Doyle at tight end, uh, Joe, at 31%. The thing with the, with the Colts is, is we're going to know after week one who Rivers likes to throw to. We just don't know going into week one. So why take that chance? Put the guy on your bench at the end. You're not going to play Doyle. But if he has a right. big week, maybe you will the following week. And that's the, that. get ahead of the situation. Don't wait for it. I think that's the, really the moral to the story. Proactive, not reactive. You can get Jack Doyle probably on your roster for two bucks. If he goes out, catches a touchdown and eight balls, all of a sudden that is going to triple next week, if not more. Yeah, so you late. have to understand there's a lot of people that don't have tight end or aren't confident yet. You're better off rostering that than some fifth wide receiver on a team that you don't think is going to you know, possibly play and contribute. You want guys who are going to contribute. And right now being proactive rather than reactive is so much smarter. It's so much better to do. All right, coming up next, Dr. Chow from brofootballdoc.com is going to join us, so make sure you stay tuned to that. He's got the latest on Alvin Kamara and his back, sort of where he thinks he would be at. Dr. Chow's been on the sidelines for a long time. You can follow him on Twitter and, of course, uh, at profootballdoc and also profootballdoc.com is his website. We'll have the update and then the latest on the injuries in the NFL. Stay tuned. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Bish along with Joe Pizzapia with you here on the program. We got you every day from noon to two here on the show. And, of course, we're covering all of the fantasy do's and don'ts right here for you on Fantasy Sports Today. And, Joe, it's real interesting to note that as we get into the 2020 season, already some key injuries sort of popping up here on the injury list. And uh, one of them today is Mike Evans of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who Bruce Arians has said is dealing with some sort of soft tissue issue. Hasn't practiced the last couple of days. This is not the news that you want to hear going into the first week of the season and not the news that I want to hear on my fantasy team. I'm an owner of Evans in one league, and I suppose if I don't see him on the field tomorrow, i got to start looking for some other options. I have to be honest. I've got zero shares of Mike Evans, but I was looking forward to that first game there in the Dome because that was going to be potentially very exciting to me and having him in the one-off. You know, Mike Evans is one of these receivers that can absolutely go off, get you that 150-yard, three-touchdown kind of day. And that's the kind of guy I love to have some shares of in GBPs and tournaments on FanDuel. But, no, this is definitely not a good way to start off uh, this Tampa Bay Bucks season, which is going to have a ton of attention on it. There's no doubt about that. So keep an eye on everything uh, and keep your ear out as well. I'm sure we'll have more updates on this as – or information will come out. But at the same time, this is Wednesday. This is Waiver Wire Wednesday. We just gave you a list. If you missed it, go back and watch the show on demand on YouTube and you can check it out. So look, 
There's guys out there that can help you at the wide receiver position for a short period of time, for a long period of time, potentially go out there, spend a little free agent cash, get them on your roster because you don't know what kind of issue this is going to be. If it's going to linger, if it's going to be something, you're not going to replace Mike Evans on the waiver wire, but at the very least you have to start getting some bodies just in case week one doesn't line up the way you think it was going to. Yep, but I'm already starting to how it's not lining up for me. Fantastic. Okay, let's take a look here at a little fantasy reality. Speaking of the Buccaneers, we'll start off with our first question of the day, Joe, and it leads to the Buccaneers-Saints game this weekend. Fantasy reality, the most anticipated NFL game this week is Tom Brady and the Bucs at the New Orleans Saints. Is it that simple? Is it fantasy or reality? It is so reality. It is completely my reality, and this is coming from the biggest Tom Brady mark. I know you can't see it, but behind me up there on the wall, you've got the Tom Brady draft card blown up poster size, and now I'm going to have to watch him in a different uniform, but I don't care. I'm still excited. I'm a little weirded out that it's week one because week one is such a strange week. I kind of wish this was a week four or five matchup. We got a little into the season already, and these teams kind of were chugging along and getting to know each other a little bit more. We, we know what the Bucks look like. The truth is, we don't know what the Bucks are going to be. We have zero clue how this is going to work out, and we're going to see it week one. And the worst part about that is, what we see week one might not tell us anything, because it's week one. And that is the strangest part of this whole thing. But regardless, I don't care. My eyeballs, these two eyeballs, are going to be glued to the screen watching this game. I cannot wait for it. I am so excited for it. And uh, I hope it's going to be a, a scoring onslaught. That's for sure. Craig, fantasy reality, the most anticipated of the game week one is Bucks Saints. It is a reality. And I would also tell you that the ratings in the NFL for the season, you can circle this game. You're going to know immediately after this game uh, on Sunday at 4 o'clock Eastern, 1 o'clock Pacific. If the ratings for this game don't blow the doors off everything else in sports in the last five months, the NFL is going to have a big problem the rest of the way because there is no reason why this shouldn't be the most watched sports event in 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 months, if not a year, to see Tom Brady in a new uniform at New Orleans. It's a national game. It's a game you don't have to pay for. This is an absolute reality in terms of anticipation. Will this lead to what everyone thinks will happen with ratings? I don't know the answer to that, but we're going to find out after Sunday. I would guess it will, but we'll see. All right, question two, fantasy or reality? Everyone by now saw what happened at the U.S. Open with Novak Djokovic, who errantly hit a tennis ball and hit someone that was one of the judges, and uh, and and it seemed to be somewhat of even a serious injury at the time. People have questioned that. That's not for me to decide. But regardless of that, he ended up hitting someone, ended up getting disqualified, and now there is talk that Djokovic could be further affected by this of doing what he did there. Clearly, he lost his temper. We can all agree on that. Fantasy reality, Novak Djokovic, one of the best player, tennis players in the world, Joe, will win another Grand Slam uh, event, one more big tournament over the course of his career. Fantasy reality. I'll say reality. Why not? Djokovic has been a tremendous player for many, many years. And uh, look, anger issues in tennis players last time I checked are <laughs> not exactly mutually exclusive, uh, whether it be McEnroe or somebody else yelling at a line judge or all these things. I mean, we've seen this. We see people, you know, in all sports, we see the baseball managers yelling at umpires, players yelling at umpires. This is this is common. Now, you don't usually see somebody turn around and hit or throw a ball at a judge or, or a referee or, or an umpire, but uh, it was one of those 
more bizarre things that happened this past week in sports, that's for sure. But I'll say reality, I don't think he's done. And, and maybe it's also because I'm looking at the field compared to, you know, tennis being a, a more top-heavy star sport where you see the Serenas of the world and the top players of the world tend to win out more often than not. So I'll say reality. I'll bite. How about you, Craig? You know, I'm going to say fantasy here. I think that this may end up hurting him quite a bit and, and hurting him mentally and also hurting him from a judge's point of view. I don't think he's going to be getting calls for a long period of time. And um, and, I, and I just think that this is the sort of event that can derail this kind of player because of just what happened and how he hurt someone that had no business even having to have a ball hit at them. So uh, Djokovic has had a really good career. Uh, borderline, I would say, probably Hall of Fame career in terms of tennis. But I'm going to say fantasy. I'm going to say that this hurts his career the rest of the way. I think that it was probably an accident. There's no doubt. He definitely did look very empathetic after he ended up doing it. But I think this affects him for a while. And tennis players, some of them don't have the longest shelf life in terms of playing. They retire at a young age. So we'll see if Djokovic is able to come back from this. All right, our final one here on the show today is a reality show. And we got the very bad news yesterday, Joe, that uh, keeping up with the Kardashians <laughs> is coming to an end. After hundreds, if not thousands of episodes, the end is near. The Kardashians, no doubt, need to have something else to make millions and millions of dollars of. I'm sure they'll come up with it. They're very smart people. There's no doubt about that. Fantasy or reality, Joe, you have watched over 4.5 episodes of keeping up with the Kardashians. This is not courtesy of the FanDuel Sportsbook. We made this up. <laughs> not real. You can't go to FanDuel right now and bet on this. All right, guys, girls? Fantasy reality. All right. Now, this is one of those moments in television where you get to know the hosts a little bit better. And uh, unfortunately, the answer to this is over. Because when I was married, you're trying to make the other person you're with happy. And if that person wants to watch trash TV, then that's going to be on sometimes. And I'm not a big reality show guy. I do like The Survivor. Big fan of Survivor. But these kind of shows I hated. Yes, it was on. To say I watched it, I'm going to have to say yes. I'm, I'm going to be honest. I'm going to keep it real, as the kids say. I have certainly watched more than four and a half episodes. It was way back in the day when they were just, you know, it was pre-Kanye. It was probably pre-Lamar Odom. It was probably like the early goings. I, I'm very, very sure that Bruce Jenner was still Bruce Jenner, not Caitlyn Jenner at the time. So that's how far back I go. Uh, but at the same time, I... Unfortunately, I'm going to have to take the over here and just keep it real. And I'm pretty sure what your answer is going to be. And I know it's going to make my answer more embarrassing, but what the hell? Let's go for it. Craig Mish, have you watched over or under four and a half episodes in your lifetime of Keeping Up with the Kardashians? Did, did I come up with a good number for you or is it just way over? I don't think it's way over. It's definitely over. It's that there's definitely two years of my life where that show was on and it's like, oh, all right, it's, you know, we're going to watch that. But, you know, I don't think if, do I, if I if I set the line at 14 and a half, would it still have been over? No, no, I think it would have been under because I don't think there's that okay, many in a season. It's not like Cheers or Seinfeld or something. There's like 22 episodes in a season. Oh, well, how many times can you watch them go shopping? How many times can you watch them have lunch? I don't know. Apparently, like you said, 5,000 times, that's so many episodes. And I'm glad this show's going away. I can't believe it was still on. I didn't even know it was still on until I heard the news yesterday yeah, that they were canceling it. So I guess they're moving on to bigger and better things. I don't know. But uh, I just, I never understood it from the get go. Uh, I, I'm out. But 14 and a half, I would have said under. 
four and a half, that's when you get me to obviously say, yeah, it's definitely more than that. And you, you guilted me into it. I think that was the right number because it was just enough to say yes, but not an embarrassing okay, amount good. where I'm going to be like, yes, all of them. Of course I watch them. What are you, crazy? Of course I watch. I want to see what everyone's doing all the time on the Kardashians. My God. So, Craig, do you love it? Do you like DVR it like all the time? Yeah, John Sheeran should give me a call. I could set good lines on reality show uh, watching. <laughs> you happen. do. You actually I do. Could. You, you, this I is could. Your, you found your niche after all these I, I years. I finally found it after all these years. This is it. Uh, look, I, I have not watched over four and a half episodes. I would say that I've probably seen f- two or three minutes of more than four and a half episodes just from strictly it being recorded on a DVR and having to get off it or record something else. But no, I, I so definitely have not. I, house. Wait, wait, wait. So it was on in your house. Oh, my wife has watched way over four and a half of this. Okay. But you have somehow avoided this. You've, you've somehow. Yeah. Well, what happens is my, my wife basically has uh, this thing where she just decides that she's just going to record anything and everything. She just thinks it's like, you can do it. <laughs> So our playlist is just full all the time. And once every month or two, I have to go in and start deleting like all of the things that she's planning on recording because it just ties it all up. So what happens is sometimes, whether it's exercising or just watching TV, I'll turn the TV on and that's on because it's being recorded because naturally the other there's something else being recorded at the same time. And then you can't change the channel unless you, you get out of it. Right. That's the way it works. Right. Right. So for me, right. it's like I get there and I'm like, oh, let me just see what this is for like a minute. And then, boom, it's gone. But no, right. I haven't I have not watched over four and a half episodes of this. And then the other thing that I would say is that in most situations, when TV shows go off the air, Joe, it's not because they're wildly successful. It's because they've really come to the end in terms of people watching. I'm guessing that that is the case here. Most Usually the they don't take a show off the air and say it was, it was so good that we got to get rid of it. Usually that's not the way that it works here. I don't. Now, think. did you continue on with Cobra Kai? That's the other question. You said you were before football starts. You, you got a small window here to finish season one. What do you did mean? You, at least get you said you said you had a couple episodes left to finish season one. You hadn't we, finished. We it yet. made it through season one. Oh, you did. Okay, there you go. And what did yes. you think of the cliffhanger ending there? Uh, I, I mean, yeah, I, I thought it was interesting. Yeah. Like I, I, I think show is good. I definitely think the show is good. I watched the trailer for season two. It looked very different, but we'll, we'll see. We'll uh, look, I, it's season anytime I watch whimsical. a good show, I'm going to watch it. That's fair. I, I would say season two, not as whimsical. Um, a little bit, you know, eh, look, still very fun. Definitely still worth watching. Season one is very special because, again, whenever you're building a story, that's always fun. And Absolutely. and I had sent you. I don't know if you watched it, but I did send you that five-minute uh, little Oh, you know, I did not watch that. You should yeah. watch that because now that you've seen this, you can go back and they even talk about, you know, when, you know, poor Johnny is just by himself in that bathroom stall just getting high. There's Daniel LaRusso starting crap up again, putting that hose in the thing. He just wanted to be left alone. All he wanted to do is he left alone, smoke his joint in the bathroom, be fine, right? Nope, Daniel LaRusso always got to start crap again. See, you're going to see the story now in a whole different light now that you watch it. It takes five minutes of your life. I can't recommend it highly enough. That YouTube clip, very, very funny. It's well done. Well done. Okay. I'll, I'll make sure that I check that out. Well, we uh, we got the Sports Grid 60 coming up here, so make sure you stay tuned to that. Joe and I will be back on tomorrow's show, and certainly we'll break down our opinions on the big game tomorrow between Houston and Kansas City. Can't actually believe that it's really here. 
But we have the first game of the NFL season. We actually have a uh, well, BYU is a pretty major college. I don't want to, I don't want to diss BYU, but University of Miami plays tomorrow also against the University of Alabama and Birmingham, and they play at home. And Derek King, I think, has a chance to be a really strong quarterback in the NFL if he has a good final college season. So that's exciting as well. So uh, plenty to get to as we get ready to close out the week, but we haven't closed out this show yet. We're going to do that next right here on FST on SportsGrid right here on Fantasy Sports Today. So make sure you stay tuned and follow us on Twitter at SportsGrid. You can follow me on Twitter at Craig Mish, Joe on Twitter at JoePizzaPia17. We'll be right back. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. Make sure you stay on the grid the rest of the day because Scott Farrell is coming up a little bit later and he's going coast to coast with you. Of course, our great program over on Sports Grid Radio. Everything you need to know about the upcoming NFL season, which is now just over 24 hours away from kickoff in Kansas City. Let's go over to Joe Pizzapia. He has got the Sports Grid 60 as we end the day. Joe? In case you missed it yesterday, DeAndre Hopkins got paid. Yes, he did. The new home there in Arizona, and I got to tell you, I am so excited about the Arizona Cardinals this year. I think they're just going to be fun to watch. And from a fantasy perspective, that defense, still not all that good. That offense, lots of speed, lots of plays, lots of skill set players there. And I think a lot of scoring is going to be happening. They played the 49ers very tough last year in Kyler Murray's rookie year. They acquired Kenyon Drake last season in the middle of the year, who showed some immediate dividends. And then on top of that, you added a big-time wide receiver to a core. They already had Christian Kirk and Larry Fitzgerald. I got to tell you, I don't know how many games they're going to win, but in terms of fantasy points, I think they're going to score a ton. And I am looking forward to watching a whole lot of Cardinal games this year and sweating those points out. Yeah, I think the Cardinals also a very exciting team. We'll see how that translates to the field. We'll see how many games they win and lose from a fantasy perspective. There's no doubt they're uh, they're very compelling. Let's say that. Uh, also compelling is well, I mean, it may not work out for Jennifer Lopez and Alex Rodriguez in terms of buying the New York Mets. It looks like Steve Cohen's going to end up owning this team, but there is another potential Major League Baseball team available. And this one is in Nashville, Tennessee. That is right. Dave Dombrowski is leading the charge in a potential expansion bid for a new team. Who is one of the key investors? Well, none other than Justin Timberlake. Imagine that. You talk about things being in sync in 2020. Maybe Justin Timberlake becomes one of the main owners of a new Major League Baseball team. And I got to tell you, every time a team expands or a league expands, We always meet it with such cynicism. It will never work. The team will never be good. Look around all of the leagues. They all end up having success eventually. And the more teams we have is usually a pretty good thing. That'll do it for our show today. Thanks again to Dr. Chow for coming on. And, of course, Brett Levy for producing the program. And Chris on the updates. For my co-host, Joe Pizzapia, I'm Craig Mish. We'll be back tomorrow with a preview of the first night of the NFL season. Have a great day, everybody. Talk to you tomorrow. Stay on the grid. See you. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.